0: I say the name Jack Dorsey, you probably think about Twitter, but you should probably also think about Square. Square is a separate unicorn company that Jack Dorsey is the CEO of. They are in the payments space, and the head of AI at Square is Marcel Gavaldà. This week on AI in Business, Marcel Gavaldà breaks down some of his take on how to leverage AI for a competitive advantage, and he talks a lot about the elements of culture and team. If you want to be able to build a team that can leverage AI in a nimble fashion, that understands its capabilities, isn't able to wield it in different areas of the business, Marsal's advice in this episode I think should be more than useful. And if you're getting started with artificial intelligence within your company, you can download our free PDF brief called Beginning with AI, which shares some of the fundamental tenets of being able to get started with AI adoption. So if you're working on building strength within your team, understanding AI use cases, be sure to download our Beginning with AI guide. You can download that at emerj, that's emerge, dot com, slash BEG1. That's B-E-G like beginning. Emerge.com slash BEG1, and you can download that free PDF on emerge.com. Without further ado, we're going to roll right in. This is Marcel Gavalda, the head of AI at Square, here on AI in Business. So, Marcel, I I know I want to dive into sort of the competitive advantage that can be leveraged with artificial intelligence, but uh, from what you've told me, your story of getting into AI in the first place is kind of interesting. So we'll step a little bit off the normal script and and get a sense of how you got into this world.
1: Yes, thanks, Dan, for having me on the podcast. So um, yeah, I'm so I I come from Barcelona, Catalonia, Spain, right? And growing up there, I developed an interest in languages. So languages is one aspect um, that um, kind of is, is the part of the journey of how I ended up. Uh, being a practitioner of machine learning. Um, And if you know anything about uh, Catalonia, you know that there's Catalan and there's Spanish. Uh, uh, So growing up there, I got very curious about languages, you know, how come half of my classmates speak Catalan, the other half speak Spanish, when, if you look at the history As the Roman Empire extended throughout Europe, they were all supposed to be speaking Latin, right? And yet it gave rise to Italian in one place, Romanian, French, Portuguese, Spanish, Catalan, all these languages that we call Roman languages. So it's super interesting to see what is common across languages. For example, all languages have nouns and verbs, right? This is how we humans perceive the world, sort of static objects and, and actions that we do. But then Um, The way in which languages put these building blocks together, that's more arbitrary, right? In Japanese, you put the verb at the end. So you'd say, you know, the the girl Abu greets, which incidentally is also how Yoda talks, right? Uh, But but then um, in Japan, you also drive on the left, right? Certain things are societal conventions, whereas whereas others are true human universal. Anyway, languages is a fascinating topic. And then the other thread is uh, sort of computers technology. One day my dad showed up with an HP 85, one of the early home computers, with a with a monochrome CRT screen, a built-in keyboard, a magnetic cartridge for storage, thermal printer, and then some manuals that were really well-designed and taught you how to program. So that's what got me hooked into computer science, and, and that's what I ended up studying as an undergrad. But then I realized that there was this, this nascent field at the time called computational linguistics, now better known as language technologies, which is this idea that you can actually use computers to do to, to process language, right? Speech recognition, machine translation, information retrieval. Um, and I joined that field right at the time that it was undergoing this huge transformation from being a rule-driven sort of top-down approach. How do you parse an English sentence? Well, it has a, 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 a noun phrase and a verb phrase, and you try to see, is there an adjective there? Um, and also how you do speech recognition, do you look at a spectrogram and see that, you know, before a plosive, there's 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 no energy um, and have some rules that say, well, if frequencies are in this range, then it's probably uh, a fricative because it's mostly white noise, like for sure. Uh, Right? Literally, that's how uh, the early speech recognition systems would work of um, having these rules about the the, the formants of the vowels and how this gets represented uh, when you look at the the uh, spectral domain. Uh, Well, all of that was being replaced but a much more bottom-up data-driven approach, right? Which is what machine learning is about. Um, and so this was really the, how I got into this area because the field of language technologies was undergoing this huge transformation from rule-based to data, data-driven, right? Um, and then, so, you know, professionally, I, um, I work in this area of speech analytics um, and then also conversational AI until I finally joined uh, Square where we use ML not just for natural language processing, but also to understand what's happening within our platform, all the payments, all the logins, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, payment data is a little bit different than going about like hardcore NLP, modern NLP approaches, but it sounds like obviously there's transferable skills there, and you can kind of factor That's transferable in the, skills,
1: yeah. uh, and, and not only that, but you can also imagine that um you know ultimately a, a a sale is kind of a conversation right between a seller and a buyer. and so there's also a lot yeah. of sort of human interaction and human elements that go into that
0: yeah that, that, that's a, I don't think I've literally ever heard somebody say that like a sale is kind of like a conversation. It's like what like for e-commerce, I just don't think literally anybody thinks about that, but uh, if you can if you can break it down that way in your mind and make it work, then that's awesome. So, uh, well,
1: that's how I was convinced to join Square.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, it it must have worked, whatever they had said. So, anywho, now now that you're there, you obviously have a hard grounding in the science. Um, you're seeing a lot of what's happening at the cutting edge of AI. Obviously, Square is a you know pretty renowned firm in terms of of uh, you know being being in the high tech domain. Payments is a fast moving space. Um, the theme of of this month's kind of topic is around Uh, The competitive advantage of artificial intelligence. Where can AI sort of help companies pull away from their competition? When you think about how AI enables companies to do that, um, how do you like to frame it? What are the aspects of AI, maybe the ways of applying it, or or types of applications for all I know that for you really are going to separate winners from losers in a bigger way?
1: Yes, um, I think the best way to go about this is to start with some examples, concrete examples from Square, and then maybe we can generalize to to, to the you know uh, uh, to larger industries. Sure. Industry. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well,
1: let's go ahead. So, um, um, in the case of Square, um, we saw from the very beginning that automation and machine learning was key. If you look at the sort of the landscape of credit card acceptance 10 years ago, which is when, when we started, it was a very, very manual process. In fact, you as a small business uh, would have to file all this paperwork. And then if you got approved, which was you know, a small percentage, you would get these sort of these clunky hardware for uh, for credit card uh, processing. Not only that, but also the business model was kind of backwards because you would have this monthly fee regardless of whether you had any sale right so when um, we start developing what we're still best known for the sort of little white reader um, that accepts credit cards by just connecting to your smartphone, um, even though you know within these intervening years we have hugely expanded the amount of. a uh, product surface, or the 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 products and and uh, and services that we offered to manage a small business, from inventory management to team management with payroll and taxes, etc. Um, but even starting with the the little white reader, there was such a huge change because then the entire experience of onboarding um, uh, was so so much uh, much easier. And then we also had, obviously, in order to be able to support that. Uh, to have such an open platform where almost anybody can sign up and become a Square Merchant and start accepting card card payments was also because from the very beginning, we had the mechanisms in place to watch out for bad actors, right, anytime that you deal with, with money. Um, and so um, we had, in a sense, the advantage of being kind of a tech company from the very beginning. Um, and therefore, we we had already um, sort of a mindset of data-driven and machine learning, which basically means that um, we have literally hundreds of models that analyze sort of all these actions, like a login or a payment, um, and we can flag any any sort of anomalies and suspicious activity. Um.
0: Yeah, so uh, clearly, uh, you know, I, I think fraud is is hot stuff when it comes to payments, um, maybe the low-hanging fruit. I mean, there's all kinds of ancillary other stuff, but but at the end of the day, uh, determining a pattern that leads to, you know, bad stuff, whether it's anti-money laundering or at the level of credit card or or a pattern that leads to this payment is kosher, uh, that's a big deal because that, that affects the user experience, that affects a lot of things. So clearly fraud is kind of a, a big part of the mix. I guess when I think about it from a, a competitive advantage side of things with respect to AI, um, you know, I would imagine if we're using this example from, from Square, which we can go into other examples if you want, but... Uh, Some folks might say, okay, well, um, you know, whoever processes the most payments in a specific area, they will be able to have the most nuanced fraud detection model, and then that will make them the best product, and more people will use them, they'll collect more data, they'll be able to have the best fraud model again, and they'll be kind of the, be able to, to achieve the position of the only game in town. Kind of like Google, right? I mean, it, there's no search engine that's going to have a better answer than Google. Why? Well, because they're so good. Why? Because everybody uses them. And so they're so good that everybody uses them that they become so good that you're not going to use anybody else. Hypothetically, the same might happen within uh, payments, I imagine, when it comes to kind of a competitive advantage. Uh, let me know if that's kind of where you were leading or if you see other ways where uh, AI can sort of give that edge over competition, so to speak.
1: Um, yeah, so, so certainly, um, uh, managing risk, uh, fraud detection, account takeovers, uh, credit risk, even, um, sort of new avenues, like you always need to be, um, on, on the lookout for, um, bad actors, sort of misusing using your platform. Um, I actually have a, a pretty colorful example if you're interested, um, um, so, whenever you um, we develop new new products, we also need to look of you know potential malicious usages. And uh, for example, we have a, a product called Square Marketing, which is this beautiful way for our sellers to communicate with their buyers through some professionally designed sort of email templates that they can use to promote a loyalty program or their latest product. Um, and yet, we saw on a couple of occasions that um, these mar- these marketing campaigns were being misused for phishing, right? Phishing attempts trying to get the credentials. For another another service, uh, but you know, ML to the rescue, right? This is one example. If you know about uh, Andrew Ung and he has this sort of this heuristic about how when can you apply AI? Well, any time that that a problem looks like could be solved by just, you know, one second of human thought, of human attention, right, of, um, and in these cases, as soon as you've seen a couple of examples of these phishing attempts, you tend to notice that they look quite different from a normal marketing campaign, right, and in fact, the language they use tends to be quite negative, right, they have urgent, problem with your account, you know, go fix it. and so. As a matter of fact, we quickly develop an ML model that looks at obvious things like, you know, there's a domain of the URL embedded in the in the button uh, correspond to the to the domain of the seller, but also interesting things like this uh, uh, sort of the sentiment polarity, right, as as yet yeah, as another signal. Um, and so this is deployed, and now anytime that there's some suspicion that uh, a marketing campaign could be a phishing attempt, it gets blocked, right. Um, interestingly, um, well, so 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 of course you always need to be on on the lookout for any changes. So I always joke that you know we need to make sure that now the bad guys don't adapt and start crafting uh, marketing campaigns uh, saying something like uh, "wonderful opportunity to uh, freshen up your password," right? <laughs> Trying to uh, use positive language. Um, but this is our very sort of kind of a, you know narrow, simple examples. Uh, the 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 large trends are not only about risk management, but also automating operations, right? So there's a lot of um, uh, act, uh, application of machine learning, for example, for marketing communications, understanding of all the products that we that we offer which among our millions of sellers would benefit the most, right? Another good example is Square Appointments, where if you're a hairdresser, instead of having to be on the phone, you know, can I come in at 3, can I come in at 3.30? You just have um, Square Appointments do the work for you through having a buyer-facing self-serve calendar where people can just book them, book the times involve themselves, right? But then the next question becomes, well, you know, from among our millions of sellers, who would benefit the most from Square Appointments? We don't want to send a kind of a mass email, right? Um, So we can use ML to understand which sellers offer uh, sort of services, time-based services, right? Something that is priced for the half hour or for the hour. Um, And then we can send a very targeted campaign. Um, So that's, you know, another concrete example of of using ML in this case for uh, improving marketing communications.
0: Yeah, this is great. So we're kind of opening up the can of worms on, you know, where ML can be used within... You know this payment ecosystem uh, that you folks are creating. and I, I, I all of these are pretty neat and interesting. So one of them is being able to, I guess I don't know exactly how you would do that. crawl the name of products, crawl the volume of transactions and the amount of money that the transactions are in, right? If you're if we're dealing in one hundred and twenty bucks a pop or fifty bucks a pop, we're much more likely to be dealing in appointments
1: than if we are at you know five yes, or twelve yes, bucks a pop, right? Yeah, yeah, you, that's exactly the right instinct. Um, um, uh, we, we, I mean, going back to something like, you know, NLP, natural language processing, um, there is uh, our sellers uh, host their catalogs with us, right? So um, we can see what type of uh, products and services they sell. And then we can apply some, you know, techniques, uh, known techniques, like even like Word2Vec, right, where we map every single word into this sort of semantic hyperspace so that um, words that are that are used in a similar way end up being close together. Um, um, A good example is, you know, even though for uh, small and large in general English are sort of thought of as kind of opposites of each other, uh, when you look at how they're being used in catalogs, uh, they're actually quite close semantically because they're both values for the attribute size, right? And so you could have a small coffee or a large coffee or a small t-shirt um and so we're able to uncover all these sort of patterns about how language is being used and that also allows us to then kind of cluster sellers that would that that are sort of that, that have time-based uh, services and and that's how we can do some of this targeting
0: interesting yeah so instead of sending out i mean obviously an old school way to do this would be when they get onboarded they they select a bunch of fields, right? So you don't have to proxy it from some statistical data. They can just say, I'm a masseuse, and we, or, you know, whatever it is. Or they, they can even just have a dropdown, you know, I sell you know, a time-based service, and then you would know to hit them. But obviously, you can't have a survey that's an unlimited number of questions on the front end. Probably it might even be slow to ask any questions. So this just lets you do targeted marketing without that. So that's really curious. When you think about it, this might be a little sensitive to talk about, you know, Square specifically. I I, I sometimes have to steer away from people's employer uh, on on the podcast just to make sure that, you know, uh, we can air whatever we record. But, um, you know, you think about the different things that you folks are doing. We have fraud. We have um, these phishing emails, very interesting use case. We have marketing, internal leveraging of, of ML, really cool uh, that you kind of called that out. When you think about sort of which of these you think could really be competitive differentiators or is there anything in common with the kinds of AI applications that could genuinely, in your opinion, be, be competitive differentiators, is there anything about that, the ones that you really think are transformative that will help Square pull away or could help another company pull away. Is is there anything that those kinds of
1: use cases have in common? Right. I think so. uh, Individually, every single use case by itself is not necessarily that super transformative. However, what's really key is adopting ideally an enterprise-wide machine learning mindset, as we like to call it, right? Which is um, everyone should be aware of what ML is capable of um, and then find... The best ways of applying it, um, and we use kind of a, a, a bit of a, of, a, of a formula for that. That, that if, if you want, I can I can oh, get into this would so, be
0: really cool. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you can think of it as um, have, having having kind of an AI strategy, right? Um, and typically, um, we see these sort of being built on top of you know five pillars. Um, number one is this notion of training and education, providing a broad machine learning training to drive this adoption of an ML mindset. And that means um, ML training, not just for engineers or product analysts, but uh, for pretty much anybody. So so sales and customer support um, with, you know, starting um, by uh, just giving kind of the basics of ML, which is, um, you know you can now do some interesting inferences from data and this and then seeing how these can be applied to your to your team or your customers. So the second step is kind of brainstorming of of ml and automation ideas. um and we've had uh, sort of tremendous response when uh, when we hold these um, these brainstorming sessions because every once people understand what ml is capable of, and by the way, we t- Use this heuristic, you know any any sort of repetitive task that actually you end up only using maybe a couple seconds of your attention. Let's review that because that might be an excellent candidate for automation. Um, and so and then so the brainstorming, which allows us to kind of have this bottom-up bubbling of 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 ideas. And then typically the next step is, is to uh, to treat data as a first-class citizen, um, and this is also requires a bit of a change in the in the engineering teams of of how they develop uh, sort of uh, products and services. The idea here is the same care that you that everybody places on developing these products and services on how the like the API looks like what's what's the the inputs that come in and what's the, the effect well the same care can be done uh, around the data and so understanding the data that this system or this service generates, so that we, it's it's sort of semantically meaningful and formatted in a way that makes it very easy for then other services to benefit and make use of that data, right? So that's what we call uh, that's what we mean by saying treating data as a first-class citizen, um, which then allows sort of the next step, which is to weave machine learning into these products, into products and processes. So in many cases, or traditionally, uh, people have some sort of uh, analytics team that that sort of uh, is just sort of looking over a stream of data, um, and that's that's a good start. Um, but the 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 real uh, game changer comes when ML is actually part and parcel of that of the product. Um, so kind of a, an intrinsic functionality that is driven by by ML. Um, and then all of these, obviously, following some ethical AI and ML principles and practices, we are all aware that um, ML can be quite powerful. Um, So we have to be mindful of unintended consequences. In fact, there's these these sort of legal terms of making sure that our models don't have a so-called uh, disparate impact on protected classes. There's some sort of regulatory framework. Uh, but in general, just making sure that the the model seems fair um, and still speaks, like in the case of Square, we have this um, overarching purpose of economic empowerment, and we try to any system and product that we develop that that sort of follows that as a as, as a goal. Um, Yeah, no, so these are sort of uh, provide a broad ML training, brainstorming automation ideas, treating data as a first class citizen, which allows you to then weave ML into products um, and then following ethical principles. I think this is how um, sort of an AI strategy can be built and having that is what... uh, can set you know, uh, business leaders and, and, and forward-looking organizations, uh, set them up for success um, and competitive advantage in, the, in this area of AI. I,
0: I like it. I like it. So hopefully, those five bullets are useful for the folks who are tuned in. I think this really fits in pretty well with our, our general idea around critical capabilities. For you, uh, it, it sounds like just being able to build that foundation so that you can then take and run with AI ideas as they come up is really a good way to set yourself apart uh, in the future here.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah, got it. Cool. Well, hey, I sincerely appreciate you being able to peel away a little bit of time from your your time there at Square and join us here on AI and in Industry. So thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thank you so much, Dan, for uh, the opportunity.
0: And that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure to follow us on social. Not only will you get all of our latest AI and Business Podcast episodes, you'll also get our episodes on AI and Financial Services, which is a separate show, and all of our latest coverage. This week, we have a new article on the AI innovations at Goldman Sachs. So if you want to know what one of the most powerful financial institutions in the world is, then you want to make sure to follow us on social and get those updates. In addition, we did another piece on what banking leaders should be doing about AI. Every week we have new pieces on AI best practices as well as AI use cases within global firms. And you can find those articles on our social streams. So follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. That's all for this episode. I look forward to catching you next Tuesday here on AI in Business.